And again, I want to welcome those of you in this room, those of you joining us online. Palm Sunday is the first day in a week that we refer to as Holy Week. And I think the challenge before us today is to forget for a moment that we already know the end of this story. And instead, try to place ourselves in this story to feel the palm branches as the week kind of goes forward to feel the water as our feet are washed, to come together on Friday at the foot of a wooden cross. The challenge before us is kind of to forget for a moment that we know how this story ends and and to place ourselves in this story because uh, very often, you know, we think of the crucifixion and, and the resurrection. We, we think of that as, you know, the main event, if you will. And sometimes we will think Jesus sort of bided his time until those big moments. But the reality is from creation to consummation, God is telling a story and we're a part of it. And when Jesus came, he was both fully God and fully human, which means every single juncture of Jesus's life, every single thing that he did, he was showing us what it looks like to be a human being who is living connected to God at every juncture of Jesus's life. He was living fully surrendered to love, to the Father. And so at every juncture, we learn something about what it would mean for you and I to be fully human, to live fully connected to God's love and in God's love. So that's our challenge today, placing ourselves in the story. Um, There's a little town, I don't know if you have ever heard of this town, there's a little town called Spearfish, South Dakota. And Spearfish, South Dakota, uh, won the Guinness Book of World Records for something kind of random. Uh, They are known for the biggest, largest temperature temperature drop ever recorded. Um, You can see a picture of this here. From 54 degrees to negative 4 degrees, the the quickest temperature drop ever recorded. I'm not sure that we know exactly where the Garden of Eden was located, but I'm pretty sure it was not Spearfish. (laughs) But I was thinking about this, um, you know, Spearfish, this big drop in temperature. I was thinking about Palm Sunday. In a way, if you could, like, go back and place yourself in the story. Palm Sunday to Good Friday represents, like, the largest um, mood drop in human history. And that's what we're here kind of to talk about on Palm Sunday, the greatest mood drop ever. (laughs) Because Jesus came riding into Jerusalem to the joyful shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people are shouting Hosanna in the highest to Jesus. The people are welcoming Jesus. They are happy with him. The crowds are happy with him. There is good buzz in the air. There's positive momentum, happy people. And it's kind of like they're standing on the edge of this new era. 
there's anticipation in the air for what is to come. The people gathered are thinking, Jesus is going to be on our side. Jesus will be our new leader. He's going to take up our cause. And almost as soon as the echoes of Hosanna fade away, it's like the cheers turn into jeers, right? There's this mood drop. The mood of the crowd changes drastically because here's the thing. We wanted Jesus to be on our side. And we discovered something that we weren't quite prepared for. Jesus didn't come to be on our side. He came to be on the side of everyone, even on the side of our enemies. And we're thinking, no, 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 no. No, he can't do that. Like in this world, no, 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 Jesus, no, you can't do that. We want him to be on our side. We don't want him to be on their side. You know who I'm talking about, right? Them. Those people who think wrong and act wrong and are just wrong. We don't want him to be on their side. We want Jesus to be on our side. And as this Holy Week story unfolds, we see these different groups of people in the story with different perspectives on the world at that time. I mean, just think for a minute about these three groups of people. You have the Romans, the Roman government, the Romans. You have the religious leaders, and you have the disciples. Each of these three groups of people have a different perspective on the world. They have a different way of viewing the world at that time. And Jesus wasn't on any of their sides. Jesus, first of all, wasn't on the side of the Romans. Remember Judas? Judas was very much against the Romans. Judas was most likely a part of a group called the Zealots that were against pushing against the Roman government. Not a fan of the Roman government. Judas was most likely a zealot. He's a part of this group of people who wants to fight against the Romans, against the government. And here's the thing. Jesus had no intention of coming and leaving the zealots, much to Judas's disappointment. And so once Judas realized, like, Jesus wasn't going to pick up the cause he cared about, Jesus wasn't much use to Judas anymore. I mean, Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and Judas would not have any of that. If Jesus, you know, was going to, if Judas was going to follow Jesus, Jesus needed to be on his side. And Judas actually had some very committed and courageous comrades in his fight. They were hiding all over Jerusalem, just kind of waiting for Jesus to mobilize them, and Jesus just wouldn't do it. I mean, instead of leading them into this new and glorious kingdom of Israel as they imagined it, the story that they had in their heads, Jesus was leading them into a garden 
to pray. As he, Jesus, is like sweating tears of blood, they're like bored, right? <laughs> the people, the disciples around him are falling asleep. So he, Jesus wasn't on the side of the Romans. Jesus also was not on the side of the religious folks. And you sort of see this with the high priest Caiaphas. Jesus could, Jesus could have been like a great religious leader at that time. Remember, he showed such great promise. Like all the way back to when he was like 12 years old. He wowed everybody in the temple. Had such great promise. But he wasn't on the side of the religious folks. Remember that day, um, he, he's in the temple, he's, he's speaking, he's wowing them, and now he's talking about tearing down this temple. And they're like, what? It is like he's offending all their uh, sacred cows, if you will. Like all of, he, Jesus is like letting go of the traditions that the religious folks hold dear, the boundaries that they set as right. Some of the things he is saying sound like blasphemy to them. He isn't, he isn't on the side of the religious folks. Jesus wasn't, he was not even on the side of his own disciples. I mean, Peter, James, John, they wanted a successful outcome for this movement that they had joined. I mean, when they go, when one of them goes to defend Jesus, Jesus won't even allow his disciples to defend him. Later in the week, some of them start to think, well, if he's just going to recklessly, like, throw everything away, he's going to have to do it all. He wasn't even on the side of his own disciples. See, what they wanted is they wanted to have Jesus lead them in overthrowing the oppressors and restoring David's throne. That's what they're thinking. Jesus seemed intent on, like, endangering himself and them. And if Jesus had a plan, it, 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 it almost like it seemed like he, he kept it to himself or something. They didn't understand. You know, sometimes we, um, we miss seeing how this triumphal entry on Palm Sunday really, um, in a way, it, like, sets up a confrontation between Jesus and the principalities and powers. And you see this with, you know, the Romans and the religious leaders and even with the disciples agenda. But think about Pontius Pilate for just a minute. Pontius Pilate is the Roman governor. And usually he, Pilate, lived in a Herodian palace in Caesarea. But during Passover, which is this week, Palm Sunday, during Passover, he would come to Jerusalem. And the reason the Roman governor needed to come to Jerusalem for this week of Passover is because there were a lot of, you know, would-be revolutionaries. It could be a volatile week. And so he needed to come and make sure, like, we're going to keep the peace. And so coming into the city of Jerusalem from where he lived in Caesarea, he would have come from the west and entered the city from the west. And as the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, entered the city of Jerusalem from the west, he entered with all the hoopla of a Roman governor on a war horse 
with the military cavalry, right? He's coming with strength and power because Rome is the empire at that time. And what do empires do, you know, to show that they're in charge? It's like, we have the biggest military. We have superior strength. We are in control. So here comes Pontius Pilate coming from the west. Now, think about this. He's entering the city in this way. Jesus is entering from what the Bible, when Tim just read, the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives is east side of Jerusalem. So Jesus is coming in from the opposite side, from the east side. Not only is he entering from the opposite direction, he's entering in the opposite manner, right? Whereas Pilate would have been like on a war horse and had all the cavalry around him, Jesus comes on a donkey, and not just a donkey, like a donkey's colt, like a baby donkey. See, at the beginning of Holy Week, on Palm Sunday, we see two very different parades. One is based in power, and one is based in humility and peace. And the question for you and I is like, which parade are we marching under? When we think about shaping the world, do we think the world is best shaped through power and might? Through dominion? Through the right ideas? and the right policies, and the right theology? Are we in Pilate's parade? Or are we in Jesus of Nazareth's parade? Which is a parade of humility and peace, one of laying down our rights. When we think about what would best shape the world, are we thinking it's that way? Or, or are we thinking it's this way? Because at the beginning of Holy Week on Palm Sunday, there are two very different parades happening. And in a way, Jesus, like, Jesus kind of reigns on our parade. Because we all want him to be on our side. We all want him in different ways to take up our cause to be about our stuff, to lead us where we want to go. But Jesus didn't come to join our parade. Jesus came to teach us how to pick up our cross and follow him to a table. And it is a table that celebrates the Father's love. And it is not a table of us versus them. It is a table where everyone always is invited into the love of God, into the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God. Another way to kind of look at this is to say, um, you know what Jesus' problem was? Jesus just wouldn't lead. Because, like, everybody knows that, I mean, leaders need to pick a side. 
because we want to know where our leaders stand. Like, you got to tell me where you stand. It's almost like Jesus won't leave. Like, he won't pick a side. And that just doesn't work in this world. you got to pick a side. Like, if you're going to be for everybody, then you're going to find yourself with nobody. Forsaken, rejected. And then this other guy says with this hopeless guy, familiar with suffering. Since Jesus was for everybody, he ended up with nobody. And there was a tremendous drop in mood (laughs) that week where Jesus went from hearing the crowd shout Hosanna to finding himself all alone on the cross. It was like he took the only option we left He accepted the rejection of all so that he might show mercy to all. Later on in scripture, Paul of Tarsus writes, I resolved to know nothing when I was in Rome except Christ crucified. I resolved to know nothing on Monday except Christ crucified. He accepted the rejection of all so that he might show mercy to all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, may our hosannas be a cry for you and the arrival of you being the Prince of Peace. May we forever march in your parade of peace, we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.